1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 385 of the Battery Power podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, January 22nd, and I am joined by my friend, Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you?
2: Brad, I'm doing great. It has been about a month since you and I have done one of these together. I think it was maybe the day after Christmas. So, of course, there's been a lot of good content on the Battery Power feed, but it has been a while since I've been able to chat with you, and we are just a couple of weeks away from spring training, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, we're getting close. Uh, we'll be pivoting, as long-time listeners probably realize, to some more preview-specific content in the coming weeks because, like you said, pitchers and catchers will be reporting before you know it. But uh, our our... Structure today is mostly going to be these five burning questions. I'm calling them. It's mostly just about that questions that we got, but um, you know, it's we're at that weird time in the middle now where the transaction wheel has largely stopped spinning across baseball. All the big names have signed Um, all of the, you know, most of the big trades I think have happened. There was one this week that would involve the Marlins. That was a kind of a, you know, reasonable size trade, but for the most part, it's like, all right, until teams get to Arizona slash Florida, Nothing. Not a whole lot's going to happen. I don't think. So we're in this middle ground, but we have plenty to discuss anyway. And like you said, I want. We should just plug this at the top. There's been, even though you and I have not been talking, I did a solo show a couple of weeks ago. We've had tons of content on Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman on podcast I'll be named later with Steven and Chris. And uh, you can get it all for the price of zero dollars on this feed. So if you're if you're, if you're a first time listener, go ahead and subscribe via your podcast platform of choice. And we really appreciate that. Um, we'll dive in now before we get to the five kind of framing questions. Uh, there were some. I guess notes from Saturday. I know you're a long way away, Scott, but uh, were you aware of the Braves fan fest that was happening on Saturday? It's kind of the first official event of the, uh, of the season.
2: I was made aware about 20 minutes before it started based on (laughs) Twitter. So no, not really, but it does look fun. I mean, if I was in the area, it looks like a really cool event and really well done.
1: Yeah. I know Chris is on the scene uh, doing the media thing. I was not there. I was uh, following things remotely couple of, like, newsy things. This is the first one I already knew, but it was uh, one of those things that was, like, not, like, super confirmed slash announced, but Strider's going to change his number to 99. Um, it was kind of out there, but I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, and it made the rounds. I just kind of love this. It doesn't actually matter, but I really do enjoy Strider's entire aesthetic. But now that he's wearing 99 for Major League, it's just it's tremendous content.
2: Yeah, it is. I think, uh, I think Mark Bowman made the suggestion that they now have to play Wild Thing before strider (laughs) comes out every start
1: that should Um,
2: if any of our listeners somehow have not seen major league i would i mean i can't recommend that movie enough just in general it's a really good movie and then of course it's one of the better baseball movies ever made but for a guy like strider who is so unique uh just the way that he pumps fastballs I, i love it it fits him um and i'm sure there will be Especially somebody was mentioning too the beauty of these long term contracts, the Braves have been signing people to there's like that jersey stability, because there's nothing worse than buying a jersey for a player. And 18 months later, they're gone. Um, So grab your your 99 Spencer Strider jerseys. Uh, But yeah, I love that. I think it's a ton of fun. And I like the way he kind of leaned into it.
1: I have a strong feeling the Braves will be printing money on those jerseys, and uh, obviously they, they already do that. But Strider is very popular, especially right now, and uh, the number ninety nine thing will probably even make it even take off. Uh, so that'll be uh, interesting for sure. Um, it is what it is w- with regard to that. That was not a huge like baseball item. There was a couple of like injury update kind of things. Ronald Acuna said he's feeling one hundred percent and ready to get back to normal. He also said kind of kind of jokingly, but also not um that he doesn't want to dh anymore he's uh, back to playing the outfield full time it seems he's going to dh this week actually in the venezuelan winter league championship series but he's not gonna, not gonna be playing in the world baseball classic i think that's a braves decision they don't want him to do that i think it's during certain training they don't want to have him they want to kind of have him uh, ramping up under their watchful eye but all all stuff positive there same with ozzy albies by the way he said he actually could have played in the nlcs if the braves had reached that point which i'm sure frustrates braves fans but um yeah, no restrictions there on Ozzy. So we talked about those guys already. We'll talk about them more in the future. But having Ronnie and, and Ozzy at 100% is not a small thing. Those guys are, you know, Ozzy more of a fringe star. But obviously, Ronald is an actual superstar player. And, uh, you know, those guys having quality bills of health as of January is a positive thing.
2: Oh, it's huge. And it was so obvious that Ronald was never 100% last year. He would have stretches where he was looking more normal. And then he would have stretches where he just clearly did not have his full strength, his legs underneath him. I think that's probably why he saw a pretty drastic turn um, in terms of his batted ball. He hit a lot of baseballs on the ground. I'm not a hitting coach of 25 years, but there's something going on mechanically whenever you suddenly aren't hitting the ball like you have hit it your entire career. And I have to think it was the knee being 18 months removed from that surgery by the time spring training rolls around is really big. And the fact that the Braves won, was it 102 games last year and they had a not healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. And Ozzie Albee's only played about a third of the season. Uh, So to have both of those guys back, uh, it's going to be big and I'm glad to hear that they won't have any restrictions, especially Ronald, Uh, his workout videos. He looks awesome It'll be fun to see him play in the championship series. I believe that's something that MLB Network will televise. Uh, But nonetheless, two very, uh, you know, to be captain obvious, two very important players for the Braves' success. And it's good to hear they're doing well.
1: For sure. Um, And that's kind of it as far as the news. Uh, at least at least baseball stuff from Saturday. If you want some more from that, I know Chris has been transcribing. There was some news stories and some more human interest stuff, and always interesting event for sure. Um, the only other thing that's been kind of recent in terms of the last you know few days um, is the Kevin Pillar signing by the Braves. It's a minor league deal for him, veteran outfielder, but. He's actually going to make $3 million if he makes the team. And that is more than these deals usually get for guys who are on these deals that are minor league deals. Um, that's a higher number than you might than you might expect. And he's a real player, 34 years old now, been around for a long time. But, um, you know, basically a, def- a, a defense first glove uh, in the outfield. But another option to go with the seemingly never ending barrel of options, you know, Adam Duvall. No longer an option on the on the free agent market. R.I.P. to Adam Duvall in the tenure with the Braves. We don't, we definitely enjoyed that, but uh, Pilar is different different from Duvall for sure. But basically, I would say probably the most accomplished in some ways of the uh, of the newly uh, acquired pieces in the outfield. Not a high upside guy by any means, but an interesting name as the uh, spring training arrives.
0: Yeah, of
2: course, Kevin Pillar infamously took that horrendous fastball to his face a couple of years ago when he was with the Mets. I mean, it's a miracle that he's still playing, quite honestly, um, just from set aside the physical aspect, but just the mental component of it. Um, You know, Pillar has been around for a while. uh, Never a great hitter, though. uh, He has a career OPS of 704. You mentioned his defense has been good. He's a pretty good base runner and has some speed as well you know last year in 2022 did not play a whole bunch he signed with the Dodgers was hitting well in the minor leagues and then fractured his shoulder actually Um, so only had a handful of big league games and then missed the remainder of the year Uh, and as you noted left field feels like it's going to be a bit of a carousel ideally Eddie Rosario would have a nice bounce back season after what he went through last year but you have Pilar, you have Sam Hilliard, you have Jordan Luplo. Uh, I, I guess uh, Marcelo Zuna could technically factor into those left field decisions as well. Uh, n- nobody necessarily who is super encouraging, but I, I think Pilar is certainly more uh, accomplished and has more of a track record than guys like Hilliard and Jordan Luplo and and Eli White, too.
1: Yeah, Pilar is a professional baseball player. It's just one of those things like he's not exciting at all. Uh, he's a low walk low strikeout guy like kind of a throwback contact hitter not a ton of power although he has slugged at least 400 in like five straight seasons before this year. So it's not like it's just a zero in the power department, but uh, and actually he had three, three seasons in a row from 2017 to 2019 where he had at least 15 home runs and they did it again in in 21. So he has a little bit of pop for sure, but not a high OBP guy ever career sub 300 on base percentage. Not great, but um, yeah, he's just a guy and if, if they need him for that stability, they could do worse. Like he is, um, going back for a while now, he's above replacement level, but not by a lot. Like he's basically a fourth outfielder. What you would, what, if you ask me to describe him in very short terms, I would say Kevin Pilar, fourth outfielder, and that's okay. Yeah. The Braves can kind of use that guy, to be honest. If he's if he's still if he's healthy and, and still playing that way at 34, that might be an upgrade on what they had before. I'm not sure it is, but it might be.
2: Yeah, and he bats right handed, so if the Braves are looking to have a platoon of some kind in left field. Of course, Rosario is a lefty, so maybe there's a way to do some kind of a platoon. Of course, as you noted, both of those guys have been around the block quite a bit. Um, And we're going to talk about another left field option here or potential option in a minute. Uh, But yeah, it's clear that the front office, for whatever reason, as good as the rest of the roster is, they're just kind of letting it ride with left field, presumably short of a trade in the next month and I, I mean, I guess it's not impossible. It doesn't seem likely to me. Uh, but yeah, you have about a half dozen guys who are going to go out there in the spring and try to win the job. And if one of them wants to step up, it would go a long way for the Braves this year.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the platoon split aspect. Uh, being a right-handed hitter, he has a career 104 WRC plus against lefties, which isn't like remarkable. He's not like a lefty masher, but um, that would be a, a, obviously a big upgrade on what Rosario gives you against lefties. So if they want to co- kind of had you know go into the season with that platoon split, luplos kind of the same thing in theory in some ways. But um, yeah, another another option. $3 million if that were to happen is totally fine if he's uh, a guy they want to keep and carry. And uh, I don't mind that as a as a very low, really zero risk, um, mild upside. I would say maybe probably not a lot of upside, but alas, Yeah. Yeah. OK, that's the news portion of today's podcast. We'll do the first question before we get to a break here because uh, you kind of teased it a second ago. And uh, it kind of came out of the Mark. Bowman newsletter so the question comes from Grady who says what do you what do you guys think about Von Grissom playing left field and uh, the the question continues I assume the Braves would sign another shortstop to at least compete with Arcia if they were going to play Grissom in the outfield and some updates here before we answer the question Bowman basically passed along some stuff from scouts in his own evaluation that people don't really love Christmas defensive shortstop, that's not been something that we haven't discussed before. It's been a topic the entire winter about how most people are not in love with his defensive profile at shortstop, even though Ron Washington is kind of a guru, has been working with him all winter long. And basically, Bowman floated him playing left field in that newsletter piece. And by the way, he has repeatedly, speaking of Bowman now, flagged potentially shortstop candidates like Elvis Andrews along the way. Um, Also, before we get to it, Saturday... Snicker was asked about this, as you might imagine, and he said that Grissom has the athleticism to play left field if they wanted him to, but they're not planning on asking him to play left field, at least during spring as he's battling for shortstop. That is not a surprise. I think Snicker is very kind of old school in that way. And like they're going to give Grissom very clearly a chance to win the shortstop job barring something uh, outside the organization happening in the coming days. So I say all that. What do you make of this? And we talked about this a little bit in the past, but uh, because it's now like coming up again because of Bowman, our our, our old friend, Mark, uh, where's your mind at with Vaughn Grissom, left field, shortstop, et cetera?
2: Yeah, I hadn't really given any real thought to Vaughn playing left field this year uh, until Bowman mentioned it just kind of out of the blue a couple of days ago. And when you start to think about it a little bit, it, it makes some sense. Uh, clearly the Braves are better off if Vaughn Grissom can stick at shortstop. And as you outlined, there are questions about his long-term defensive prognosis. Um, But at the same time, he's a really young kid and players his age get better. Uh, We know how valuable shortstop is. I think for me, ultimately, if Vaughn can hit it's it you find a place to play him if he can't play it short you can work him into the lineup as the dh even uh, maybe in left field if if they ultimately transition him out there Uh, but it was curious i do agree with mark bowman he was really thinking the braves would add somebody whether it be at shortstop or left field before the season began but you look around right now and there's just not a ton of options uh, there are some big names potentially on the trade market, maybe like a Brian Reynolds, but frankly, the fact he hasn't been moved, it makes it seem less likely. And I don't even know if the Braves have the farm system anymore uh, to to pull off a trade of that magnitude. Uh, so I don't know. It was an interesting. It certainly had people talking. I do think that the Braves would be wise to give Grissom every chance imaginable to handle shortstop in the spring and see. But the fact is, is that if if he goes out there and it just clearly is not happening, he's made a handful of errors, he's not getting to baseballs like he should, they do need to have some kind of a backup plan. Maybe it's Orlando Arcia as that backup plan. That That's a little scary for a team that's trying to win a World Series. But nonetheless, it if, if the actions of the front office so far have said anything, it's that they must feel internally like Vaughn at least has a chance to win the shortstop spot.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and for as much as I am probably lower on Arcia than most people, at least I I have been in the past, I think him being on the roster gives the Braves some freedom. Number one, they they seem to like him. Everyone does, from Snit to the front office. They they brought him back um, before last season, and I think that he, you know, at the very least, he is a very capable backup middle infielder, and that includes playing shortstop. He's not great there, but he's fine, and he's a veteran. And I think that they probably understand what he what he can give them if Vaughn is not ready to play shortstop. So that gives him a little bit of a fallback. If it was just Grissom and nothing else at shortstop on the roster, I would be really banging the drum that they have to do something else. Arcia while not a great starting option by any means, at least is a professional caliber middle infielder who can play there and it won't embarrass you at shortstop. That gives them a little bit of leeway. But it basically comes down to how much you believe in Grissom's glove. And, like, I'm not an expert on that. I don't think you are either. We, we, you and I are not grinding the minor league tape on Von Grissom playing shortstop. But, you know, going through people that I think are smart and scouts and previous, it's hard to find people that believe he's going to be going to a good shortstop. Like, is it possible that he can be? Absolutely. Like, he's really athletic, as Nick got into today. And Wash is really good. Like, I mean, obviously, he can't fake he's not a miracle worker, but he's he's got a reputation that's earned as this middle infield infield guru, basically. So if he can, quote unquote, get. Grissom ready and have him have the tools take over like I don't think he's gonna be great but there's a world where his bat is gonna play up I think at shortstop it's not a lock but everyone kind of likes the bat basically even after even after sort of the cold finish the last season there's a consensus on his bat versus his glove being the stronger piece of his game and if he can play even a below average starting shortstop but but enough to stay there That's a nice little setup. Now, defensively, him next to Riley on the left side is not great for you if he's not great defensively. But that's like a you know it's it's more of a nitpicking problem, and we'll see. I I don't think based on what Snit said, based on what we've been hearing all winter, that it's likely to happen. I think maybe long term, if Grissom just can't hack it defensively at shortstop, maybe you see him go to left field on a more permanent basis because if the bat plays. I think he can play left field. I mean, he'll obviously need some time to get ready to play left field full time, but that's a spot where you hide guys on defense. And I think he's got he's got good burst to be able to play there and a good, good range and all that stuff. So uh, I think it's more likely he's playing left field in two years than this year is my is my idea at this point.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, we saw last year he is an athletic kid. He can really run. And you also have to remember, too, for a lot of folks, the only real glimpse we have seen of Vaughn defensively was at second base. Well, he's never really played second base. He, of course, came up in the middle of the year for Ozzy Albies, and then Arcia had gotten hurt. Even if shortstop and second or similar positions, they're they're also not at the major league level. Um, So I think that shouldn't be um, overcompensated for Uh, But as you noted, if if he hits, they will find a way to get him into the lineup. Um, And really, for me, if the Braves can just stabilize either shortstop or left field, and that's easier said than done, but if (laughs) they can stabilize either position, they are going to be in really good shape, even if left field really stinks as it did last year, or even if they just don't have a great option at shortstop and they roll with orlando arcia or they sign one of the veteran free agents and maybe they're not hitting a ton but they're just catching the ball and throwing it over to first the one through seven in the lineup is going to be so good i think you can live with it if one of those positions aren't great but if left field if you're just not getting much of anything out of left and you're having issues at shortstop then it's like man okay that's the bottom two spots in the order It's just not going to be great. But that being said, the rest of the roster is really good. It's just kind of a funny situation where the Braves, by everybody, are projected to be so good, and they have this huge hole in left field, and they have a big question at shortstop. And I guess every team probably has questions somewhere. It doesn't take anything away from the team as a whole, but no doubt over the next two months before the season begins, all eyes are going to be on those two spots.
1: Yeah, strongly agree. Uh, We'll have more on that, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. Uh, I will say we have four more questions to answer of our five burning questions on today's podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself.
1: Springboarding off of our last question. This one comes from Gene. Could be a short answer, honestly. Uh, he asks, if the Braves could sign one remaining free agent right now, who would you take? And I made this list a couple of days ago, and even that list had to get trimmed down because guys are signing still. And uh, spoiler alert, the list of names that are still available in free agency right now is pretty ugly. <laughs> Not, not a huge surprise in late January, but that is definitely the case. You know, Adam Duvall would have been on this list. He's now off of it. There are other guys um, in the mix that could have been interesting that are not there anymore. Um, I might have missed someone, but uh, I'll just lay out the the options for you, Scott, and then you, you can choose your answer on this question.
2: And these are some great options.
1: Yeah, they're not great options.
2: Um, Everyone uh, take a seat. You might want to be seated for this because there's some high talent here.
1: Uh, so starting pitching. You have Michael Waka is available. You have Zach Granke is still available, although he might retire, I suppose. Uh, old pal Mike Miner is on the list. Um, they have uh, maybe a DH, you have Luke, Luke Voigt would be an option if they wanted to sign another like pure bat you know, Mike Ford type <laughs> from last season. Um, David Peralta has been a popular name in the past for the Braves. He's gotten older and slowed down a little bit, but he's an outfield option still available. Jerickson Profar has been decent at times, kind of a utility, more of an outfielder at this point. Uh, Jose Iglesias as a potential shortstop. And then of course, Elvis Andrews is probably the sexiest name, former Braves farmhand, you know, all-star, etc. at shortstop. Um, it's pretty rough, but uh, I'll, I'll go to you, Scott, if you could pick. I mean, we, we're not even going to get into like the actual contracts here. Let's just say favorable terms for the Braves, one-year contract. Oh. Who would you want to just add if you just could unilaterally grab someone out that list right now?
2: Oh, boy. If I could add any of those names, probably Profar. Um, he has been consistently probably the best player on this list. The issue, of course, is that Profar is probably going to hold out for a everyday type of role or maybe close to it. He played all over the field last year for the Padres, and while I would love for the Braves to have a similar type of player on the roster, I'm just not sure how much he would play. I guess if something were to happen, I mean, he's, he's going to sign before spring training, so even if there was an injury or something like that in left field, I'm not sure you could really accommodate him at that point. Um, from this list, I mean, the starting pitching battle, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. I think they're going to just roll with the half dozen internal options they have for the fifth spot in the rotation. Uh, man, I, I guess it would be one of those two shortstops, either Elvis Andrews or Jose Iglesias, as maybe the most likely of the bunch to sign with Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are available in another month. As spring training starts, maybe if it's just very clearly not going to work out defensively at shortstop with Vaughn, maybe they make a signing for one of those guys. But it is uh, it is slim pickings, to be sure.
1: Yeah, I think if it was framed as the most likely to sign, I would probably take Andrews. Um, That's not like me reporting anything, just because the, the buzz that's been out there, Bowman's been talking about him. Shortstop is what it is. I think he's probably the most likely to sign. If I could pick someone, I think I might take Waka. Um, and I know I'm not sure he's like a lot better than what they have, but I have been of the mind and I'll just put my money, my, money where my mouth is on this. I've, I've been on the mind the whole time that Braves could use another starter who's a little bit more proven. Uh Walker is not fantastic, but he's a proven veteran starting pitcher. So I might pick him. Um I think Peralta is a sneaky choice because he's always hit. N- not at a super high level, but he's always like he has a career. 111 WRC plus he's been over hundred I believe in five of the last six seasons and the one time he didn't uh was two years ago it was, a, it was a 94 so like I think he would be an upgrade on Eddie Rosario to be honest but unfortunately Rosario is signed and they are fairly similar profiles Peralta has always been a righty masher and Rosario is supposed to be the guy who does that for you anyway so that might that sort of might uh take that away from you Profar is probably the easiest plug and play, especially if you think that Grissom is going to be the shortstop. Um, but if you don't, it's Andrews. So I think it's probably three choices at the end of the day. It's probably, it's either Waka, Andrews, or Profar. Uh, I'll, I will just pick Michael Waka, but not by a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah. the gap is not huge. And I, I think there's a reasonable argument for like three or four of these guys. So it's not, not not a sexy answer. And yeah. uh, it's, I guess it makes it more interesting because there wasn't like a super easy name, you know. If, if Duval was still available, I might have picked Duval, which is uh, maybe that's part of me being attached attached to Adam Duval. But yeah. no matter what, uh, the Braves I think at this point are likely to not sign in anyone for a while if they do it. Yeah, so.
2: they, yeah, oh. they might grab somebody on like a minor league deal yeah. as they did with Pilar. I gonna say, perhaps like Kevin Pilar. <laughs> yeah, right. Or and there's usually a player or two who waits until spring training maybe there's an injury, maybe it's, you know, whatever, maybe a guy wants to play on the West Coast and he's waiting to see if one of the West Coast teams call whatever it is. But yeah, it was, it was a very good December and early January if you were a free agent because all these guys got paid. I don't think of all these names, I think Profar might be the only name from the uh, MLB Trade Rumors top 50 free agents. I think Andrew Chafin might've been on there too. He's a reliever, from the left side i i doubt the braves would add more to the bullpen i think those spots are pretty full at this point but there, there's just not a whole lot left
1: yeah that's uh well said um all right we'll move on from that question and uh i do appreciate all the questions by the way this one comes from alan who says what is up with the farm system zero prospects in the top 100 is crazy is what he says so for some background here um this is the first time the Braves have not had a top 100 prospect at Baseball America since they started doing this prospect list in 1990. That's 30 plus years of every year. Braves had at least one guy in the top 100. This year, they do not. Our friend and the former co-host of this podcast, Carlos Scalazzo, who works there, said only A.J. Smith Shaver got any votes at all in the top 150 for anyone on the staff. So it wasn't like they had anybody close to the top 100. That's, that's the craziest part, honestly, for me. And uh, you know, just for some more background, this is not a huge surprise. FanGraphs had the Braves dead last in the league in their most recent version of their board that um, Eric, Long- Eric Long- Longenhagen Hagen um, updates. Pipeline did a refresh kind of recently in August. The, Ra- the Braves were in the bottom five of that list, and that's with that's with Kyle Muller, who's no longer on the team. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty rough. We kind of already do this. I know some of our prospect guys, Garrett, et cetera, have a little bit higher opinions of some of the prospects in the system, but. This should not be a surprise, and look, there's a lot of things in play, and I'll, I'll let Scott weigh in on kind of why this is, but a lot of it's just graduations. The Braves had so many guys who are still on the team, who are young and producing, that were their best prospects. And you know, Michael Harris, a year ago, was the guy, clearly in the system, and now Michael Harris is like a borderline star player in the majors. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of factors, but I think... I'm not going to argue with this. We are not prospect experts on this podcast, neither, neither Scott nor I. But um, I think that I saw that come across. You raise your eyebrow at what Carl's had to say and what they, and, and nobody be on the list. But also, if you take a step back, like no one was really surprised when it came out and as far as people that are like, paying attention to the system.
2: Yeah, whenever you talk about just this crazy run of hitting on prospects like the Braves have done, I mean, you mentioned Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, going back a couple of years, Ronald Acuna Jr., and... Uh, Austin Riley and and I mean it's just a remarkable run that really a lot of the players from the John Capelela era um, are contributing on the big league club. Obviously, no one is con- really concerned about this. Like if the Braves had just won seventy games last year and the farm system was dead last, it, you know we we would sit here and go, oh my god, it's going to be seven years before the Braves are any good again. Yep, the big league team is so good and so young and so locked in for the next half decade, if not more. And I think really, in addition to all of the promotions and the Matt Olson trade and the Sean Murphy trade, uh, we're also really feeling the impact of the international free agent ban uh, five years later. Of course, so many of those kids are 16, 17, 18 years old when they sign. Uh, the Braves really haven't been able to to sign anybody in the in the international market for years now. And uh, that's being felt as well. Uh, so, because the team, the big league club, is is set up so well for success, nobody's hitting an alarm bell. But it would be nice to restock the system a little bit. I liked their strategy in last year's draft. They will gain another draft pick this upcoming draft because of Dansby Swanson uh, signing with Chicago. So that's nice. Never hurts to get another. I think it'll be around pick forty for Dansby. So it never hurts to add another high pick. And hopefully within a year or two, we can start to stock a little more high-end talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as you want it to be or as complicated as you want it to be. But when you're a team that's been clearly trying to win um, for a while now. Like, you know, the rebuild happened. We covered it in detail on the spot. That's when this podcast launched, basically, as the rebuild was happening. And, uh, you know, now they're in this cycle where they're obviously trying to win. They're still young, but they're pushing chips in rather than taking chips off the table. And that makes your system worse. You throw in the ban, et cetera. And uh, not a huge surprise. Uh, I think the potential loss of Dana Brown could be big. Um, I'm not, you know, an expert on that either. But the fact that he's, you know, definitely in the mix for the for the Astros job. He's a very, very, very respected name around the Braves front office and around baseball. So that'd be a huge loss. But yeah, I think if you look at a couple of years, the Braves won't be at the bottom anymore. They may not be at the top, but, you know, it takes time to kind of rebuild the system. And, you know, they've done some not necessarily big pushes in, but finally the last couple of years after not really trading anyone in the system, the Braves have now done that a couple of times. And that's, that's part of this too. In addition to the graduations from guys like Harris and Strider, et cetera. So not complicated necessarily, but it's uh, the reality now that the Braves are a team that is all in on the, on the present versus the uh, versus the future when it comes to the system. All right. Uh, Question that you sort of alluded to earlier, Scott from David, who says, who do you think is the front runner for the fifth starter spot? to begin the season. And I'll just lay out the options for you on the roster right now. This does not include Michael Walker in our previous uh, discussion, Scott, but um, it's Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, Bryce elder, Old pal Colby Allard is back and maybe Jared Schuster, but I think probably one of the first four is the real uh, front runner for the number n- number five spot. And the only thing that I'll know here before I throw it to you, Scott, is that Soroka over the weekend said he's a, he's a full go health wise. So that, that's obviously positive. He's not really pitched at a high level for a long time, but he seems to be full go and that's, that's a good sign. But uh, all right, with, with that out of the way, Scott, uh, I guess I'll give you the, the floor first. Who is the projected front runner in your mind as a fifth starter?
2: it's going to be a real battle i think shortstop is going to be the focus for everyone but that fifth starter spot is really important as we saw last year before the braves moved strider into the rotation it was just so so bad and i think everyone is pulling and hoping that mike soroka can win the job i think if his health cooperates and that is probably a a bigger question mark than most guys but assuming that mike is healthy I think he wins the fifth starter spot pretty easily. He looked good in the minors last year. And really, this is going to be the first time that he is healthy and going into spring training in a normal rhythm in almost three calendar years, which is crazy to think about. Of course, he blew his Achilles in August of 2020. So you're talking about three years ago. Um, So we're all rooting for, for Mike. But at the same time, Ian Anderson, even if last year wasn't super super kind to Ian, I'm curious to see if he has changed anything. He was not very effective, but he's a young guy and he has shown he can be successful at the big league level. And then you can do worse as a fifth starter as Bryce Elder or Colby Allard. Um, I do like Jared Schuster. I was talking to a couple of folks, one in particular who really watches the farm and he thinks Schuster is going to be a legitimate big leaguer at some point. Uh, But if if I had to make my prediction here as we're recording here on on January 22nd, I would say Mike Soroka. um, I do think, Brad, I was looking at the calendar and the schedule. The Braves have minimal days off the first six weeks of the season. Uh, They have opening day and then they have a day off and then they play something like 14 in a row, have a day off and then play another 14 in a row. So, that being said, I would not be stunned if they go with six starters to open up the season, keep guys fresh, don't have to work too deep into games. We will see. It's probably something that's going to sort itself out. But I think the six man rotation, because of the way they have these guys who are probably don't need to be in AAA anymore, I would not be stunned if they try it out to begin the year.
1: Yeah, it's a good point that I had not considered um, about the early season. And it gives them kind of more time to evaluate if no one separated themselves. I think that, you know, clearly if Soroka is anything close to what he was pre-injury, then he would have be the front runner. We, we just don't know that with all respect to Mike Anderson, you know, former top five pick, former, you know, world series contributor, all that stuff. Like he is uh, an interesting piece, but last year was pretty bad. He's still fairly young, but that's a question mark. Elder was good against bad teams and not good against good teams last year. That's kind of, it's probably oversimplifying it, but that's also kind of true. Um, and Schuster is 24. He's not super young, but he was really good in double-A last year and not as good in triple-A. That's, uh, you know, kind of small sample size theater, but Howard, I, I don't think would be my choice, but he's been there before. He's pitched a lot of, uh, he's pitched a lot in the majors. So that gives him at least some leg up and they kept him when they, they kind of didn't have to keep him if they didn't want to. And he's still like, you know, it blows my mind. He's only 25. Yeah, I would I would have the over on that. That's for sure. If I had not looked that up before today, so yeah, I, I would certainly put my money, my fake money, on either Anderson or Soroka, and I think that um, it will kind of surprise me if it's not one of those guys. But there's a world where Bryce Elder just takes it. I mean, he's he's been around yeah. for a while and they like him, so um, it wouldn't stun me. But I, I would still probably lean one of the one of the uh, more established pieces, but. Uh, it is wide open. I mean, I think the Braves would probably say that, you know, even if they, even if, if if sort of wasn't open, they probably would still say that, but it, it kind of does feel open to me. Like there's yeah. not really a reason why it wouldn't be between these four guys.
2: Yeah. And I'll kind of wrap it up and just saying, if Mike Sirocca can have a special season and be the, you know, be in the running for comeback player of the year, which is always such a fun award, I mean, you look at the rest of this roster, if the Braves can get Mike Soroka back to anywhere close to the level he was before the injuries, th- that's downright scary when you look at the rest of the pitching staff. Uh, and even Ian Anderson, as we said, I mean, we know how good he was. He's had some legendary postseason performances as well. I think they're in pretty good shape. In my head, I think I had kind of underrated the options for the fifth starter spot. Uh, maybe it's not an automatic that these guys are going to be good. But as you noted, if Bryce Elder is your fifth starter, maybe it's not sexy. Maybe he's not going to go out there and strike out 15 batters in any given night. But he's he's done it before, and so has Allard. And I think they – it's funny, though, because this time last year, we were like, oh, they have a dozen guys for the fifth starter (laughs) spot. Surely somebody will figure it out. And by like the first week of May, we were begging for Spencer Strider to join because literally nobody else could win a game.
1: Yeah, and it it comes and goes. I mean, and they could also, like I've been saying for a while, it's not impossible to go find a veteran if they want to add another name to the room, either by trade or signing someone. But we've seen in recent years that, you know, you can't have too much pitching. I mean, on paper, we just named four guys, before you even get to Schuster, four guys who have experience in the majors, albeit some smaller than others, plus the four established guys. That's eight starters that a lot of teams would like to have Bryce Elder. And would like to have Ian Anderson as like their as their fifth guy, much less their seventh or eighth guy. So it's a good problem. It's kind of a rich teams problem that the Braves are trying to compete, and they have a lot of options. But I could also argue the other side, and that I wouldn't call any of those guys safe safely to be good this year. You know what I mean? Like Soroka's never been bad in the majors, but he's also just not pitched for so long that it's hard to believe. Like it's hard to say that he's definitely definitely going to be good. Anderson's a roller coaster. Uh, you know elder was pretty good this season but you know his stuff is probably the worst of these guys so i don't know it's a it's a weird spot i think nobody should worry too much about it because they have some depth and you know you kind of cycle 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 through but i think they've kind of proven that if you just need to get um um, i'm gonna say it scott if you if you need to get a jake odorese type to throw some endings for you you can do that too in april and may not a big deal. So. I'm not worried about it in the way that I might be otherwise, because they do have so much volume to throw at the problem.
2: Yeah. And it would not be a Scott and Brad podcast to kick off the new year without a Jake Oderizzi mention.
1: I did it on purpose. Listen, I love it. I was waiting for it.
2: (laughs) I was hoping it was going (laughs) to happen, but you're right. I mean, let's hope between these guys, I think everybody is, is rooting for both Mike and Ian to find themselves and to be healthy. Um, and then, you know, I think there's, you know, Bryce Elder showed maybe it was only against the Washington Nationals and the Miami Marlins in September when he had those couple of really, really good starts. Uh, you know, nobody's expecting Bryce, nor does he need to be an ace. But if he can go out there and throw five or six innings and be fine with a mid-fours ERA, presumably the rest of the rotation is going to be good. The bullpen should be awesome. And the lineup should score a good number of runs. Um, so it's not like we're going in here where the Braves have two or three guys in the rotation and none of them are particularly great. I mean, Max Freed was number two in the Cy Young voting, for goodness sakes. And Spencer Strider might be the most, you know, pitch per pitch dominant pitcher in the league right now. Uh, so they're going to be in good shape. And let's hope one of those guys can figure it out.
1: Uh, last thing here, I'm, I'm going to give you some trivia time on this podcast, Scott. Uh, I'm going to give you the last two seasons. And just say how many players do you think made at least one start in the regular season for the Braves last season how many players made at least one start
2: um it's a lot 12.
1: 12 is exactly correct oh. how many players made at least one start in 2021 which of course famously was a World Series winning team how many how many guys made a start in the regular season by the way this does not include Dylan Lee who started who started a World Series game so'll we'll we take that's him off right
2: the list, but World Series Legend Dylan Lee
1: um 12 11. Ooh, so, cool. no matter how much, no matter how safe you think it is to have eight guys, nine guys, you might need 12. You might need 15. It might just be a rotating door. Um, as funny as it is, like, you know, two years ago on the, uh, on, uh, you know, I, I think Kyle Wright might have made like one start two years ago. And last year was a, you know, top 10 pitcher in the National League. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a little bit volatile. It's not quite as bad as bullpens with regard to how, how much uncertainty there is. But like, you know, two years ago, you had Anderson and Smiley and Enoa and Tukey and Kyle Muller and Bryce Wilson and Tucker Davidson. And like wow. th- these names, this is not that long ago, man, that's less than two years ago. And this yeah. is guys who are totally off the radar now or gone, et cetera. So uh, yeah. it will, it will flow through. Don't get too attached, but it's, a, it's still a good thing to have four different guys that they can turn to. And maybe even a fifth, if Jared Schuster shows up in a big yeah. way in spring training. All right. Last question on the podcast today, Scott comes from Pete who says I was looking at the fan graphs depth charts and notice the Braves are projected to be amazing in all three areas of the roster. How would you guys rank the three areas, the bullpen, the rotation and the offense in terms of the best right now? Um, I'll go to you first, Scott. I, I give it, I give you the numbers, but you got them in front of you. What's the best unit of those three at this very moment?
2: Um, Relative to everybody else. I mean, I love this bullpen, the bullpen. It's mostly the same group from last year. They lose Kenley Jansen, um, but they added Joe Jimenez. I I don't think there's going to be much of a difference in terms of just overall production. Um, Iglesias was out of his mind after the trade last year, just nasty. I mean, it wasn't even smoke and mirrors. I mean, he had like a zero ERA and nobody could hit the ball off the guy, um, AJ Minter, quietly, is one of the best left hand, not even just best left-handed relievers in the game, but just in general, one of the best relievers in the game since he came up a few years ago. Um, Colin McHugh, Dylan Lee, go down the list. There's just so much depth here. I really like the unit. So compared to everybody else, I would take the bullpen. I think it's probably the best bullpen, at least on paper as of January. Uh, but as as and as and we just talked about the starting rotation looks like it's going to be really good. You're going to get a full year of Spencer Strider. Let's hope that Charlie Morton and the home run ball are better friends because that was like the one thing that was just killing him last year. And historically, Charlie had never really given up home runs before. And then all of a sudden he couldn't get through a couple innings without giving up one. Uh, So let's let's hope that kind of reverse courses and, and gets back to where it was. And then the lineup, as we talked about earlier, I think one through six, and if you want to include uh, Travis Darno as the primary DH, one through seven, it's as good as anybody's. You just have those two big questions at the bottom.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird because as much as it's one of the bits of this podcast to talk about how how uncertain bullpens are, that's built in here. So I'm glad you kind of gave the caveat about you know compared to other teams because I think the bullpen is the right answer as long as you just remember that everyone's bullpen is up in the air. So there's more variance there. The Braves are projected right now at Fangraphs to have the number one bullpen in the league and in the majors, by the way. And I, that probably is true. I mean, I think it's uh certainly could change, but Iglesias, Spencer all those, all those names, like it's a very, very good unit. Um, I think also though, the most stable of the three units, I would argue might be the worst Compared to the to the uh, to the to the field, because you know, Fangraph actually has the has the has the lineup slash position player group as the quote unquote worst. They're only eighth out of thirty teams versus top five for for the pitchers and number one for the bullpen. But I think there's it's probably the safest if you factor in the top, like you just said, the top six or seven. Those guys, you know, position players are a lot more stable than pitchers. Um, you know, I have a lot of faith that like maybe individually, guys will be better than they have been or worse than they have been. But that top six or seven is is elite, and you know top three or four in baseball. Um, the bottom is not great with regard to left field, DH, shortstop. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I, I probably would take the bullpen too, just because of how good it has been and how good it looks on paper. But if you kind of, you know, I, I'd probably be more surprised if the if the lineup was bad. If that makes sense, I think I think I'd probably take like two or three major issues. And I'm knocking on wood for the, for the layouts to be bad. Like, I can't imagine that happening, to be honest with you. It may not be number oh, one in the league or anything like that, but like, I, I can't, it's hard to envision a scenario where the Braves have a blue average offense.
2: Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I think there's a real path to Atlanta having a top three offense next year. Yeah, I mean, agreed. You look at, I mean, look at just the one through six right now. Lead off, you have Ronald Acuna Jr., who is coming off the knee injury still, but pound for pound for my money, a top five most just pure talent Player in the world. You have Michael Harris, the National League rookie of the year, who was just awesome at age 21 or whatever he is. Austin Riley and Matt Olson, just two guys with 40 home run pop. You have Sean Murphy, who will be in the running to be the best overall catcher in the game next year. And then Ozzy Albies, who is just rock steady, maybe not a super flashy guy. Maybe he gets overlooked a little bit because of all the other stars on this team, but he's going to be healthy and in previous years he was a 3 to 4 war short uh, second baseman and i mean you can argue that he's maybe the you know top 3 second baseman without too much trouble um, so yeah I, I agree completely the lineup maybe it has a couple of question marks but at the top at least there's crazy talent here
1: yeah and i also you know we talked about it, i think earlier with regard to left field but i'm also pretty confident that anthopolis Will do something in July if he needs to in left field or shortstop. You know what I mean? Like it may not be a, a home run move, but you know, not to bel- not, not to belabor the point too much, but everyone remembers what happened two years ago in the World Series team and how they remade the entire outfield in three days with trading nothing. It was just insanity. It may not be that, but you can go find a guy who could hit for you in left field at the deadline. Yes. It's, it's very easy to do that um may not be a superstar but it might be Robbie Grossman but it's it's something like they they could it might be Adam Duvall again to be honest with you that that shouldn't yeah. surprise anyone but um yeah anyway we feel good about the Braves we'll have plenty of preview content but i think if you're reading between the lines on what Scott and i are saying pretty good team to be honest with you scott it feels like the Braves are yeah. pretty good again
2: <laughs> no i mean i think um again we we talked about this maybe a month ago with some of the freak out and panic is all of the shortstops that signed elsewhere and the Braves hadn't done a ton other than trade for Sean Murphy. Um you know the narratives in the off season are a funny thing. At the end of the day, the Braves won 102 games and they just kind of shifted around a couple of pieces on the roster. As we know, they they upgraded significantly at catcher. Yes, they have a question at shortstop, but Uh, Last year, the the left field situation was about the same. It's not like they're trying to replace a superstar in left field as well. Uh, It's just a really good roster. And I know in the offseason, it's not always the most fun to watch other teams make just crazy signings and trades. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure there's – I mean, the Braves, I think you can make a reasonable argument that as we sit here at the end of January, that this is the best roster, 1-26 to in the league. It's not clear cut or anything like that. And a lot is going to happen over the next nine months to be sure. But this team is just really, really good right now.
1: Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll do it all in the future, but you know, the Braves are top five world series odds yeah, you know, that kind of tells you a good it's not that's not a perfect not a perfect thing, but generally speaking, the, the sports books have a good idea of what's gonna happen in the future. Maybe not who wins it, but that's usually a good indication of who's who's good. If you're a top five team in World Series odds, you are gonna be good, most likely. And the Braves are right there. So anyway, we'll have more on that in the near future. All right, that's it for us, Scott. It's uh late January. I'm sure a trade will happen. A blockbuster trade will happen on Monday morning after this podcast, as is tradition. But that'll be it for today for us. Scott, where can people find you on the Twitter machine? I know you're always talking about Arizona basketball this time of year. And I went over the weekend. I saw for your Wildcats. Oh yeah. What's go- What's yeah. going on in your life?
2: What's going on in my life? A lot. No <laughs> um... Go, Colts. By the way. <laughs> Good God. Jeff, Saturday. Season. <laughs> um, no, I appreciate, uh, we really do appreciate everybody sticking with us through the off season. We're looking forward to having real baseball games to talk about again. Uh, be sure to check out batterypower.com. Even in the quiet of the off season, there's still plenty of news over there. Uh, you can follow me, Scott Coleman, 55 for all of the fun on Twitter, um, yeah, Brad, it was good to do one of these with you, buddy. It's been, like we said, it's been about a month since we've talked. And granted, there wasn't a ton of Braves news, but these are kind of the, the calm before the storm. Because once, once pitchers and catchers show up in a couple of weeks, it's pretty much nonstop for hopefully 10 or 11 months.
1: Yeah, hopefully. If you're a Braves fan, you should be hoping it's a long season. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for all of that. We'll have plenty of coverage. And again, I think we said at the top of the podcast. But in addition to when Scott and I get together, we also have two other podcasts on this same feed, Daily Hammer with Sean. We have podcasts to be named later with Chris and Steven. It's a fantastic time to subscribe. And like Scott said, we do appreciate all the support. If you want to help us game the system, I'm not above asking you to download and um, click multiple times. That definitely helps us as well. If you want to cheat to win on this podcast, podcast, but uh follow the site on Twitter at Battery Power SBN. Also batterypower.com of course follow me on Twitter at BT Roll and follow Scott as he said before. Scott Colin fifty five on the Twitter machine. Thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you all next time.